can Alaphilippe think about as it's a descent through to the finish? Is he should he be of a mind to lead it out? Well, I think he is going to be getting nervous because we can see here that. Uh, Kwiatkowski is the one who was coming across and uh, yeah, it's going to make things more complicated with just Fugel saying there for Alaphilippe it would be a, a straightforward sprint but uh, Kwiatkowski is coming up very quickly. He's going to get there, Mia Kwiatkowski, he's got a finish too, has he got any finish left in his legs? It has been a brave, brave chase and look at the group behind, it's coming down to a stunning conclusion to Elstagal, you've got to roll them, you've got to go and Mia Kwiatkowski now, he starts to launch early, Alaphilippe has got the lead out that just might prevent the Matthew van der Poel group from getting involved. Kwiatkowski is going to ride it through inside 500 metres to go. Alaphilippe surely nailed on from here, but van der Poel's going to charge through and the others are going to be dragged into contention. It's all going to close up. This looked impossible. He's a mere kilometre ago, inside 400 metres to go. They go under 300 to go and now it's Kwiatkowski still on the front. He doesn't want to be there. He's going to try and maybe just slow it up to go again. This one is going to come down to a sprint. Van der Poel! Van der Poel goes! Van der Poel has launched his sprint. Alaphilippe on the right. Van der Poel on the left. Can you believe it? Well, he doesn't believe it. That is the most extraordinary conclusion to a bike race I have ever seen. It's a first victory for the Netherlands since 2001. They're going to go absolutely mental. And it is absolutely the most unbelievable success. Well, van der Poel did so much of the work. This is his traditional victory celebration. You know he's absolutely emptied himself. And that is the greatest ambush you're ever likely to see in a bike race. Matthew van der Poel refused to give in and he had what it took to deliver success for the Netherlands in the national champions jersey. It's victory and absolute gold for Matthew van der Poel. Alright, welcome back cycling fans to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke doing a quick, you know, we've do a bunch of these quick things but i'm trying to get some in when exciting things happen which we just had which was amstel gold thought i'd give some quick comments just about amstel gold what an amazing race and i mean for both the men and the women now the women i was only able to see some selected highlights but the last three kilometers were pretty fantastic so we'll do some amstel gold men and women's uh maybe a little flush alone preview and then what happened at NCNCA Copperopolis? I don't know, actually. And tell you the truth, we're not going to get into that. We'll do a recap with Kurt and Chris later on. Okay, Amstel Gold Road Race. Let's just go over it real quick. You had the 266 kilometer from Maastricht to Berg and Trigulit in the Netherlands, Holland, uh, Dutch, whatever you know you want to call it there. 35 climbs, some repeating, but eventually all will take in their toll. Over 11,000 vertical feet of climbing, I believe. The route is is not intuitive, and it looks like someone just threw out a spaghetti string on a map And because the actual start and finish are pretty close to each other. But as far as the actual race goes, it just goes all over this Limburg area in the Netherlands. Um, start finish, like I said, aren't too far apart. The route goes everywhere. It's the only one-day world tour stage race in the Netherlands and is considered the most important Dutch road cycling event, as you can imagine, due to this only one that they have. Uh, Dutchman Jan Ross holds a winning record of five victories. Dutch brew, beer brewer Amstel has served as the race's st- title sponsor since its creation in 1966. So it's not a, a ex- 
a great, uh, an old race necessarily, but it's definitely one that's uh, well been around since 66. Um, had some changes throughout the years. This year's edition featured the, the Cobberg climb cresting in the side the last two kilometers, which they did a few times in a loop, both the men's and women's races. A uh, little known fact that kind of comes into play, 1990 winner Andre Vanderpool of the Netherlands, his son, Matthew Vanderpool. Okay, uh, the women's race, uh, it's roughly half the distance, uh, 19 classified climbs, 126.8 kilometers through the southern Limburg, like I mentioned area. Uh, the women's Amstel Gold race offered a challenging course. The first 10 hills were a big loop that was followed by three laps of a finishing circuit with the uh, Gemmel Hemmenberg and the Bem... Bemmerleberg and the Coburg. Uh, we'll just talk about the kind of the Coburg. Okay, so let's go right to the women's race. You had on um, the last time up the 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 big climb, Mariana Voss was kind of hitting the front with Team CCC Live, and then you had um, Katarina Nuadoma of the Canyon SRAM team putting in a ferocious attack uh, with her. Voss attempts to go and she's distancing her and you start to see her pulling back. Um, I couldn't get who it was and it's a full blue kit with the yellow stripe. Maybe it's the Swedish team. Uh, Emily Farin, Farin, or I don't have to look that up again, but she actually comes to a dead stop, pulls her bike sideways. She's third in line on, on the climb trying to to catch on to Niwadoma, puts her foot down and when she does so, I mean, she she's stops and then they go around the corners but anyway Niwadoma powers over the climb and then you had Annemiek Van Vluten of the Michigan Scott team trying to close her down it could not close her down you're talking about a four or five second gap over the top and then you still have about a little over a kilometer and a half to the finish and Niwadoma just powers away and holds that distance holds that distance of about four to five seconds three to five seconds and it's right in that range and they're both just hammering away and then in the last 200 meters or so uh van fluten tries to do a sprint Niwadoma um doesn't sprint she just sees she has it she posts up and so the the, the finishing time at the end is the same time but she could never really she being van fluten could never really uh, hold that out mariana voss ends up a third 10 seconds back with a group of annabeek langveld Bulls Doman, uh, Sarah Paladin, uh, Alec uh, Cipollini, Cicely Ludrig of the Beagle team. Uh, they're all within, and then Demi Vollering of Netherlands from the Park Hill Valkenburg team. There was um, South African rider, I'm trying to remember her name. She ended up wrecking in the kind of that bunch at the 10 seconds back. Yeah, Taylor Wiles of Team USA, 33 seconds back for 12th place. But it was a great finish. Uh, seeing the, the the women, especially Niwa Doma, um, which we got a good close. I I had a little conversation with her last year. Did not record it at uh, Tour of California um, at the women's presser, the the opener. Uh, amazing rider. She did very well at Tour of California. She's a well known racer. I think she's won twelve to fifteen races in her career. Uh, big big victory for her here, and uh, very impressed with the way she took off on the climb, dropping Voss. Everybody else, Van Vluten trying to connect, and the one girl went to a complete standstill trying to keep up with her. Uh, very good finish and very impressive for uh, Niwadoma. Okay, so the men. The men. Okay. Uh, pretty Im- amazing race there. Uh, I'm watching this pull in. Uh, so Vanderpoel, Matthew Vanderpoel, attacks about 44, I think, kilometers out just shot out of a rocket and I'm trying to remember who went with him. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but basically they get pulled back pretty simply. 
pretty soon right afterwards. And then you have Alaphilippe taken off with Fuglesong and Vanderpool had just done his big work. So he kind of gets distanced, not able to go with them, but also coming through the back. Then a little bit later, you have um, Kwiatkowski, uh, Mateo Trenton and Mike Woods trying to be in between the gap to catch up to those two. You know, the gap's 50 seconds, a minute, somewhere around there. But to the middle section, it's around 40, 40 seconds to those guys. Uh, really steep climb, about 26 or so K. Uh, Woods is coming off, which I was surprised to see him get dropped in, over Mateo Trenton. But Woods gets uh, spit out. through, And I didn't even see him in the top 15 or 30 or so on the race on the day. Uh, either way, he comes through. Mateo Trenton and Kwiatkowski end up staying in the middle between those and then you have the two on the front just powering away and in the back you have and so the gap keeps showing about the same now there's some controversy as to Fuglesong's conversation afterwards uh, in his interview stating that uh, the time gaps were erroneous and there's a little bit of history cyclocosm on twitter when i mentioned him again he does how the races won he was posting out some of his uh, screenshots and some pictures over the years showing uh, the the, the <laughs> I, amstel gold has a history of basically incorrect uh, time gaps that they've shown so you know it shows like a minute and it's really like 10 seconds i mean some egregious uh, times over the years However, on this one, uh, the guys were, were blaming it and Cyclocosm was saying, um, hey, you know, as a DS, you should know that the time gaps aren't correct for this race. It just doesn't always happen. However, uh, looking back and timing myself, they looked like they were on. So the problem you get, though, is remember Fuglesong, well, just step back a little bit. You have Strada Bianca comes down with Fuglesong and Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe, maybe not doing as much work as Jacob and can have a hard kick. So Fuglesong um, got got nipped there by Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe, um, I don't know if he was faking it, but in he rode strong in Strada Bianca, but he ends up getting the win. So Jacob actually says in his interview, hey, uh, I told him this time, this time, you know, you do the work and, uh, and I get the win. And he says, and he wouldn't agree to it. Well, I think he's being facetious. Of course, he's not going to agree to it. But either way, the point being is they've got a little bit of a history. And Alaphilippe, has a kick to him. Now he just lost previously, uh, which was the race that we had uh, the other day. Anyway, he lost to Matthew Vanderpool, and so it, you know he's he's pretty much can finish it off. Vanderpool is a guy that can that can actually beat him, but he's not in the break with him. He's in the break with Fuglesong. So what's Fuglesong going to do? Well, you wouldn't expect him to be driving the pace. You try to get rid of him on the Kalberg, try to get rid of him on these previous climbs. And then be able to solo in because Fuglesong can really, um, you know, has has a has a very good finish, so he's able to do so. However, he's not able in this case to get rid of even after 166 miles, get rid of um, Alaphilippe. So he's basically now going to be driving him to the finish and then getting out kicked. So his team starts to tell him no more pulling through. So they're coming up to the Kalberg the last time and start the bottom. You're on 3k. And by the time you get to the top, it's inside 3K. By the time you get to the top, you're about 1.2 kilometers to the finish. As they're on the bottom, it's about 50-some seconds to Matthew Vanderpool. It's about 26 or so seconds to Kwiatkowski, who's now drafted alone in the middle. But these guys are going, I mean, at some point, they're tightening their shoes on the climb, Alaphilippe and Fuglesong. Fuglesong is not going to pull through. That's perfectly fine. I I think that was a a great um, option for him, even though he was guaranteed second place. But he's not going to pull through. So Alaphilippe is, is determined to do this. 
and they're, 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 they both complained about the timing and saying, I, you know, there's no way uh, they can make up, you know, 15 seconds in a kilometer. Well, I'm sorry, when you watch that climb and what the timing was at the bottom, which I checked, it was legit until the time they're at the, cl- at the top. I mean, Vanderpool is drilling it up that climb and he brings that gap down to 30 some seconds. Kwiatkowski also takes a big, I mean, they take a chunk out of, t- of time in a kilometer up the climb. So up the climb, it does make a difference, especially when you're able to kind of coast and tighten your shoes up. I mean, come on. Anyway, I'm watching this and I'm pulling for Fuglesong or Kwiatkowski or anybody, Woods, who's back 30 plus deep to, to get the win. Uh, they come over the top. They're cruising down to the finish. They're, they're playing games and it's just playing into everyone else's hands. As they're coming through a kilometer to go, um, Kwiatkowski is basically on them. He gets into the uh, to the move, and then he does the most amazing thing. He goes to the front and starts drilling it. I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's just okay with third place because now Philippe is looking perfect. But the problem is um, Matthew Vanderpoel from K out starts hitting, well, he, about 800 meters. He, start, he hits the front, and it works out to perfect timing for him. What happens is about 2, 250 to go. As Alaphilippe decides to start kicking around Kwiatkowski, who'd been pulling this whole time, he, Matthew Vanderpoel, starts kicking, and he's just a few meters off the back of those. So his his sprint starts. As Alaphilippe's sprint starts, and Vanderpoel, as soon as he starts to kick, you can see he's going to have this thing one, and it's in the bag. And he, you're right. He does. Uh, Simon Clark, you know, I forgot to mention, about 6K or so, Simon Clark goes off with Molima. So you have Alaphilippe, Fuglesang. Then you have Kwiatkowski, Mateo Trenton, and then you have Molema and Simon Clark. And Simon Clark is pulling so hard that it is fishtailing Molema trying to stay on his wheel. It's very impressive. And you can just see the strength of these different riders. Coming to the finish, Simon Clark ends up just sitting on the wheel of Vanderpool. It's a great move by him. He then ends up... Um, it's a great move by him him being Simon Clark, he then ends up being able to kick with uh, Vanderpoel, and he's the only one within any shooting distance of Vanderpoel at the finish. They come across one and two. Fugelsang ends up doing a great thing and comes around Alaphilippe and uh, ends up getting uh, third himself. And, you know, it's interesting. You say that and you go, oh, look, Fugelsang actually beat Alaphilippe in the sprint. You know, I don't know if Alif, if he make him making him being Fugelson making Alaphilippe do some of the work in the last five four or five kilometers, you know had him had a problem. Uh, Alaphilippe also said he was cramping, so maybe Fugelson would have actually won on the day had he finished. I, I tend to think his his strategy and getting third the way he did was still a better bet than him getting it for sure. I mean his odds of 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 winning were, I would say, 70 to 30. You know, he's not going to win that race against uh, Alaphilippe. And, uh, and doing a cat and mouse one-on-one there, all Alaphilippe has to do is get a little kick. You know, he doesn't need to contend. Anyway, uh, amazing finish, amazing race. Uh, a Dutch winner. The last thing, the last one they'd have was 2001. Um, uh, Rabobank guy beating Lance Armstrong. I think that's what it was. I'm trying to remember who it was. Becker, Decker, maybe one of those guys. Uh, De- Decker or... You know, honestly, I'm not totally sure. Point is, it's been a while for the Dutch to have a winner on their home turf. You have a national champion, Dutch national champ, road national champion, winning the race. Vaunted, his dad won back in 1990. His grandfather, um, 
Polidor is a French champion. I don't think he ever won Amstel Gold. But the point is you have a lot of uh, fanfare uh, ce- celebrity in the Vanderpool. And then he just does this like it's a movie star type of finish. Personally, I loved it. It's a great finish. Uh, really good to see. Now I think he's pretty much <laughs> queued himself up to be the uh, the guy coming up because he's going to be able to get I mean, he's in a contract with a small continental team and they're not going to really probably be able to do much uh, to keep him around and then he's going to be able to, to basically charge whatever he wants to to get into uh, whatever big team he, he pretty much wants for this point so he did well in get wevel gum I think he was fourth there uh, dwarves I think he won that Flanders he was fourth there uh Dave uh Pill, that's the one he just beat over uh Alaphilippe. So, very impressive. Uh, look, I'm pretty pretty excited for him. He seems to be a good guy. I know he has a contract with this casino team and like I said, it's going to be uh tough going for for <laughs> someone's going to pay a lot of cash to get him onto their team. It'd be interesting to see what he can do on any kind of you know, Tour de France type of riding. Um I'm not sure exactly where he is on that stretch uh for his you know his writing okay so next we have coming up um uh this week we'll have flesh willone and it's got the weird to he the the final little pitch up to the to the climb there uh at the finish and it'll be really interesting now he, uh andrew vanderpool is not in this race so it will be interesting to see who could come out and challenge uh julian alaphilippe one guy that you've seen do well in this race is Alejandro Valverde. Well, it was the first time since what did I see here today, since 2016, sometime in May, that he's finished outside the top 50 in any race he's done. He was nowhere to be seen. And he's kind of, he's not been uh, Valverde that you know of. You know, he's, he's got the, uh, the, the rainbow stripes. He's a world champion, reigning world champ, which, you know, he's on fire last year, winning a bunch. Uh, not quite the, the year. And is it the curse? Look, I like, maybe he's reached his peak. He was just there. And now at his age, he just can't do it. Or he's just, uh, it seems unlikely that Alaphilippe is, um, sorry, that, um, Valverde is the type that would be kind of, um, resigned to, okay, happy, you know, the fatted calf, just being okay. And, and kind of turning it over and not really doing the work. Cause he still, always seems like a driven person. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. And if, if he gives any, uh, fight against Alaphilippe coming up here in uh, the next uh, Wednesday for uh, La Flesh Wallonne. And then we have, like I've said before, we have liege Bastogne liege coming up on the weekend, which is even more of a climber's race and looking forward to that one as well. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for a quick recap of the Amstel Gold. I just thought I'd put this out there to kind of give my take on and little uh, excitement uh, that I had. And my my house is going a little crazy. They're wondering why, why I'm freaking out and enjoying this race so much. Um, fewfold, it was, look, it's good to see uh, Philippe, who's, I also read this morning, as far as some of these one-day races, he, the only time he's lost is when <laughs> Vanderpool's in the race. So, uh, seemingly interesting little aspect there. But um, I, when you get the same guy winning over and over, sometimes you like to see the underdog. And at some point, Vanderpool's not going to be the underdog anymore. But it's just exciting to see the way he attacks and gets uh, come back. You know, he gets these wrecks and he, and he just loads it on. I mean, seeing him up the cobbler, if you get a chance to watch the last 3K, watch that where he's pulling and watch Molema on the back of the climb there as he was doing with Simon Clark, just all spinning around like he was getting the tail whipped, trying to hold the wheel of uh, 
uh, Vanderpool as he's dragging up that climb. Uh, it was very impressive and a lot of poise for that kid. I mean, just a huge engine. And everyone is in awe at this point. And look, I, I hope it's legit. And I hope we look back years to come and we see that this guy is uh, kind of the de- real deal, especially as Sagan is kind of moving his way out. I mean, he's had a tough year. He had Pedro Bay, he was in the mix. But other than that, he hasn't been. And so it's kind of exciting to see someone else with a little bit of flair and uh, excitement. So anyway, thanks again for joining us. Tune to Wheels Podcast. Check us out on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and anywhere that this uh, podcast can be found. Thanks.